0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to be in the house of the Lord on Christmas Eve. We're so glad that you're here with us. You know, I was thinking this morning, there's no better place to be than in the house of God on Christmas Eve. Because we get to get together and we get to reflect on the fact that hope has come. Like this little baby shows up and this little baby changes the world. And it shows us that God is with us at all times. God is with us. He's so involved and he cares so much that he enters into the human story, wraps himself in human flesh, and he lives this life with us. Today you have entered into a house of hope because of jesus our savior and we're so excited that you're with us if you're joining us on live stream thank you so much for doing so if you are a first-time guest with us i'm pastor tim i'm the youth pastor here at the church i want to welcome you here with us but we'd love to know who you are so there is a form in the back of the pew right in front of you you should be able to see it if you'd grab that visitor form and fill it out for us we'd love to know who you are or you can scan the qr code that's on the back of the pew as well. That'll take you to an online form that you can fill out and we have free Wi-Fi available to be able to do that. So thank you for filling that out. And if you're joining us for the first time on live stream, give us a shout out. Let us know you're there. We want to connect with you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, I got just one announcement for you. We are looking ahead into next year and we have 21 days of prayer coming up. This is so important for us as a church to get together and spend some time in prayer, seeking the Lord for the next year, praying for people who have serious things going on in their lives and you get to be a part of it. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to go home, pull out your calendar. And mark those days down. Make sure that you plan to be here. Because if you don't, you probably won't make it. But it's important for us to be here. We need each other. This is a time for us to gather together, to bear one another's burdens, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing when you get a praise report, to to lift people up who just need a special touch at the beginning of the year, and then to set your faith to believe God, to give you wisdom and direction for your family for your church, for your job, all of that stuff for the next year. It's going to be a powerful 21 days together, and we want you to be there with us. Would you guys stand to your feet? We're going to go right into praise and worship this morning and exalt King Jesus.
1: there's joy in the house of the lord we won't be quiet oh, we shout out your praise oh, oh, oh we sing to the god who heals we sing to the god who saves we sing to the god who always makes a way because he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave my god still all his stones away there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place We won't be quiet We shout out your praise Cause we were the beggars Now we're royalty We were the prisoners Now we're running free There's
2: joy
1: in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out Your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out Your praise. Whoa. whoa.
3: O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. O come,
2: O come, O come. Worship the King of Kings this morning.
4: We're here to say
2: that you, Jesus, you're our God. We're all together, love me, all together.
5: grasp the depth, the height, the width of your love today. God, we don't know how much it costs. We see the cost. Today we take communion together as a church on this Christmas Eve service, Christmas Eve morn. Guys, come on down. Bring communion. We're going to do this the traditional way today. Can't think of a better day to do Christmas the traditional way. I want to just put us in a prostrate place, a posture of the place to receive communion today that we would imagine ourselves in the stable where Mary and Joseph were. That we would have seen the miracle of God birthed before our eyes, fixated upon this new child who literally had come to redeem all of mankind. He came as a baby but he left as our Savior. Amen. I'm reminded of Isaiah, the 61st chapter, when Jesus became grown and he knew it was the timing of the Lord. This was his word from the church where he spoke. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. When we look at the savior who started in the manger is that where he leaves our mind or do we see truly that he came to save us all Today as we take communion there's not one of us that should be held captive There's not one of us that need to be captive by sickness or disease for the stripes upon his body proved to you and I that we could be free. He took that for you and I. No one knew that their savior would come wrapped in a manger. It wasn't the way that man thought he would do it. But today, as we receive communion, this is what Corinthians says. Gentlemen, you can pass out communion. And we'll take it together as a congregation today. In Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Thank you, Brother Ed. Thank you. It says, The Lord Jesus, in the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant. In my blood do this, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whensoever you shall eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus today, but we know the story that he just didn't come to live and wrap himself in human flesh for you and I, but he came to truly die so that you and I might live. This Christmas, we remember the great price that he paid for our lives. Today, we do this in remembrance of who he is. For there's nothing that we could have done. It's all about what he did for us, amen? As we're waiting for the communion to get all the way back to the back, I ask you that each and every one of us today reflect upon our hearts and truly examine ourselves and take a moment to pray and ask God that if there be anything found in us that be unworthy, if there anything that needs to be forgiven, that we would ask him to forgive and cleanse us of that today. Would you take a moment? and ask the Lord. every heart here today father we come before you today And God we thank you for your body that was broken for us at Calvary father we thank you for the stripes that you took upon your back for each and every one of us that we may be made whole God I thank you that at the great exchange of the cross you saw what we needed before it was even present and you provided the sacrifice we do this and we take this bread today in remembrance of you, let us eat. Father, the representation of this juice today that represents your blood. Father, we say thank you. We remember the sacrifice that you made so great. Father, when you were born, Mary and Joseph didn't understand how it would happen. Little did they know that you would lay your life down and become the greatest sacrifice of all. But we're so grateful that you did. We're so thankful that you shed your blood to wash our sins away and to make us white as snow. Today, we drink this juice in remembrance of that blood. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. Father, bless our Christmas time with you today as we celebrate and remember the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What
6: a great time to bring in remembrance, Christmas Eve, what Jesus has done for all of us, right? We're celebrating the birth of our Savior and what he did for us on the cross. What a a Lord we serve, amen? Hallelujah. Well, we have, I have the privilege this morning of receiving tithes and offerings. And as always, our ushers do an amazing job. If you need an offering envelope, you can just raise your hand. One of our ushers will make sure you grab one. Or you can just simply reach in front of you and grab a a tithe and offering envelope right in front of you in the pew ahead of you. For those of you watching online, obviously the way you can give is electronically. And uh, for those here in the congregation that want to give electronically, you can certainly give by just clicking on that QR code behind me. It takes really seconds to give, and we want to say thank you for giving. Also, before I get into Scripture here, I want to remind everyone uh, that we had the privilege of sharing about Thanksgiving offering um, in November. And our heartbeat is to retire the debt of this church. I know it's yours as well. For those of you that are just visiting today, this is I'm talking to our only believed people right now. But if you haven't given your Thanksgiving offering, you still can do it. Many have come to me asking me, "Brother, Rick, I forgot to get it in November. Can I do it?" The answer is yes. All you have to do is grab a yellow envelope or if you do it online, there's a designation for it as well. And we want to retire another bond, so the quicker we get rid of the debt, the quicker we can use those monies to reach more people and change lives. So if you want to give a Thanksgiving offering, you can do that as well. And then last but not least, obviously we have one more Sunday, which will be December 31st. For those of you that want to make sure you get credit or a receipt for your giving, you can give up until next Sunday, uh, which will be Sunday morning, and you'll make sure you get credit for 2023. Is that okay? Amen. If you got your Bibles, I am going to read a handful of Scripture verses. I will apologize ahead of time for the amount of them. I try to keep it brief. But I want to get the story out to everybody, and I want to talk to you about, I mean, we're, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and uh, Sister Karen is going to help us out by following me on the screen, so maybe you don't have to flip as fast as, as you have to. I'm going to try to talk kind of fast, a little faster than I normally do, so I can get through Scripture verses. But it's a great story of God's provision, even before the need was ever realized. So, here we go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, of course, it's the Christmas story. We know that. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I might come and worship him also." When they had heard the, they heard the king. They departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it come, or till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, this is the wise men, they departed in their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose. He took the child, he being Joseph. He took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wrath or very upset, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time in which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Now, this story obviously is quite lengthy, so I apologize for taking so much time just to read the scripture here. But I wanted to bring a point out to you that. We read in, in verse in verse two of Matthew two that the wise men came from the east. Now, Bible scholars say this. Bible scholars say these wise men most likely came from either Babylon or Persia, which would be modern day Iraq or modern day Iran. And what's unique about this is that you see in verse seven where Herod asked the wise men very very inquisitively, "When did you first see the star?" And so they had to tell him a time frame for him to deduct in verse sixteen that he had to kill all children two years of old. So Bible scholars say this, that these wise men traveled from either Babylon or Persia and traveled potentially up to 1,200 miles to see where Jesus was at. And not only did they they travel 1,200 miles, but they also traveled approximately up to two years, two years before they got a chance to see Jesus in the house itself. So think about this, that before... Mary and Joseph had a need to flee Egypt, to flee to Egypt, that God brought provision two years prior. Think about that. So the story then goes on to say that the wise men knew not to go back to Herod because they knew Herod was plotting to kill the children. And then Joseph has a dream, or is, is, is has a dream, and an angel lord tells Joseph, "You must flee the kids. You must take your child and take your wife to Egypt." Now think about the provision of God. God again before. Before before two years happened, before Jesus was going to be needed to be uh, escaped to Egypt with Mary and Joseph, God sent magi, these, these wise men, to present these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so that Mary and Joseph would have every need met as they escaped into Egypt. So think about that. They, they get this. They get the word of the Lord from an angel saying, you must escape. You've got to get out. Herod's going to kill the baby Jesus. He's going to kill Jesus himself. So they escaped, but every need was met because they had gold, because they had frankincense and myrrh. Now, they were they, they traveled all the way to Egypt, and then they stayed in Egypt many months before coming back upon Herod's death. But I want to encourage you, church, that you know what? That God will meet your need even before you request it. God knew that Mary and Joseph was going to have this need two years before the need actually came about. The God that we serve has blessings, has increased, and has provision for you. And for you that are tithers, that are part of Only believe, I want to say you can rest assured God has great things in store for you because we know the word says in Malachi 3.10 that when we tithe, God will open up the windows of heaven upon our life and bring blessings upon us that we will not have room enough to receive it. So church today, as we give, understand before you call, God will answer. While you're yet speaking, he will say, here I am. Provisions coming your way even before you ask it. Amen? Let's pray right now. Father, I just thank you, God, for this Christmas story. We thank you for what you've done for us. Lord Jesus, we just give you praise today as we bring our tithes we bring our offerings into the storehouse into the church lord we just worship you jesus we thank you for what you've done for us thank you for shedding your blood we thank you lord jesus for just living a sinless life and taking our sins upon that cross that we can be reconciled back to god lord we love you we worship you let the tithes let the offerings given today be a sweet aroma to you father god we love you and praise you in jesus name and everybody said amen let's bring our tithes and offerings unto the lord
7: Thank you band beautiful beautiful well look at your person beside you and say happy or Merry Christmas Eve yes amen Christmas Eve it's it feels like we're in Florida right 50 degrees out so Rob you came from Florida and the family good to see you guys you brought the warm weather I'm kind of happy but a lot of people aren't they wanted the snow so you know just you better sneak out today All right, get you for that so is everybody doing good this morning everybody doing all right this morning? All right, y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It's still a privilege in America to be able to come to the house of the Lord. A lot of people across the world can't do that. So it is a privilege that we are still a free country. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, well, the last three weeks we have been talking about See the Savior. That's been our focus for all of December. And I would say that it's been a, it's been a good series, um, and I hope today I say something that will just help you understand who the Savior really is and help you see Him as the Savior. So the question is, what do we see when we see Jesus? And, uh, or as Pastor Rick said a couple weeks ago, what is our perception of Jesus when we see Him? What's crazy to me is is when I read the Bible and I look back and I read the Old Testament and then I read the New Testament the people that surprise me the most is his own people the Jews and the Jewish leaders why did not they see him as the savior I mean they had it all together remember God fully prepared the chosen people his people to wait and watch for their coming Messiah. We read about it all through the Old Testament. God raised up leaders and prophets who gave prophetic words of His coming. Did they not? Absolutely did. Also, there were signs and wonders and typologies and different kinds of patterns that God gave to His people to show them that He is coming. Be on watch Because the Messiah is coming. All these things were meant to point them to their coming Messiah. And to prepare them to recognize him when he does come. His own people. All this was for him. The Israelites. The prophecies about the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament are found and they are all fulfilled in the New Covenant. In the New Testament. And after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, God wasted no time in coming up with a plan to get his people back, to restore them into relationship between God and man. Because remember, they were kicked out of the Garden. Light and darkness have no fellowship with each other. It's over. So we couldn't commune with God. But he created us for relationship. But he also created us with free will. And their free will to go and do something they weren't supposed to cost them their life, their spiritual lives. And God wanted that restored. That's how much he loves us. Because he wants that relationship with us. So in the beginning, in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve sinned, that was the first prediction of our Savior that was to come. And it says, and I will put enmity, that's open hostility, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your heel fatally, fatally. And you shall bruise his heel. You see, the serpent will bite the heel of the woman's seed. And who's the woman's seed? That was Jesus. And what did Jesus do when he died on the cross? Bam, he fatally wounded the devil. That means death no more had a sting. It was over. We now could have a relationship with Christ, and we know that he defeated him on the cross. Amen? Absolutely, he did. Praise the Lord. So there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And so as I go through them, I will probably be done about 233 today. So I hope the crock pot was set on low this morning when you left. So no, I'm not going to do all those. But I do want to come up and show you a couple different Old Testament prophecies that were confirmed in the New Testament. And before I do that, I want to say this. I don't want to bore you today, but there were several, I don't know how many, very, very smart mathematicians, world mathematicians. Some were Christian and some were not, that all got together. And they wanted to find out about these prophecies that the Bible talked about. And how could they really, how could a man knowing something thousands of years ago how possible would it be really to be predicted into the future and so a very long process had taken place but I want to give it to you in a very short process so you understand these prophecies they said that in order for even one prophecy to come to pass from thousands of years ago to today the likelihood of of a man or woman figuring this out would be to take the state of Texas, how many of you lived in Texas? Anybody? Yeah, it's a pretty big place, yeah? It's huge. Take Texas and put quarters on the entire state of Texas. Quarters, fill it with quarters. Take one quarter only and mark a black face on it and stick it in with a pile of all those quarters that fill the entire state. And take a man and blindfold him and set him somewhere in the state of Texas with all those quarters. And the likelihood of him picking up that one black quarter would be one and 150,000 zeros on the end of it. And yet, every single prophecy That was foretold in the old covenant has come to pass exactly how it was supposed to. Exactly. Listen, the Bible is real. Everything that it says is real. It does not contradict itself as the world says. Everything in it is true. Everything in it is coming to pass. And what might be scary to some people that every prophecy that God said would come to pass before Jesus comes and meets us in the air has been fulfilled. All we're waiting on now is his return. Woo! Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, Micah. Let's go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This, again, was a prophecy in the Old Covenant. It says, But you, Bethlehem, yeah, you're Freitha. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to, bear, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now in Matthew, that was fulfilled because in Matthew chapter two, verse one, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came To Jerusalem. So that prophecy was fulfilled. Eric read the Christmas story right there. You know, one thing that he forgot to mention in the Christmas story was when the wise men came and the two wise men had given the gold and frankincense, they were ready to turn away and go home. But a third wise man said, Whoa, wait, but there's myrrh. (laughs) I took some of you. Okay. All right. But wait, there's myrrh. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's a father joke, I guess, All right for today. All right, but, you, know. Hey, you know, and the other thing that I found out too when I was doing some research was when Jesus was born, he was eight pounds and two ounces. Now, Pastor Randy, how could you know that? Guys, it's simple. If you just dig into the scriptures, listen, there was a way in the manger. I mean, it's just... It's, it's, oh, Okay. All right, back on track. I want to focus. Okay, sorry. All right. Old Covenant, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Again, prophecy fulfilled. And then one more in Jeremiah 31, 31. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Again, that was fulfilled in Matthew, the 26th chapter, verse 28, where it says, Jesus said, for this is my blood of the what? What? The new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. It happened. Everything, the impossible, became possible. Impossible. Guys, we, you know, Florida has hurricanes, and yet they can see a hurricane, they can see it coming. And then they can say, you know what? It's going to be right here. Everybody get out of town fast. Everybody gets out of town. And the next thing you know, it doesn't even go there. It goes somewhere else. And we can see that hurricane. We have so many things and, and stuff these days so we can figure out where everything is. And they can't even figure out in three days where a hurricane's coming and we can see it. Yet thousands of years of prophecy come to pass. Exactly how it was told. Woo, man, I'll make you shout a little bit. Thank the Lord Jesus. All right. So now in Luke, verse 4, chapter 16, I think we're going to read down to 21. Jesus is finally here. He is here in the flesh, born in a manger. And now at the age of 30 years old, it says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. If those are anything that you have today, he is here for you. He is here to do those things, set you free in every area of your life. He is here today for you. And then it says he is here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then it says that he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Just staring at him. He had everybody's attention. And I'm sure it was silent, like it is in this room right now. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Whew, almost gives me chills when he said that. Jesus is in the synagogue, or he's in church, like you and I are today, in Nazareth. And he is reading from, again, Isaiah, the Old Covenant 62 verse 1 and 2. And he is telling the Jews in the synagogue on Shabbat or the holy day or the day of rest, right? He's telling them on the Sabbath day that he, he, I am the fulfillment of what I just read in that specific Old Testament prophecy. Ooh, that's phenomenal. He is saying, Here I am to save the day, basically. That's what he's saying if we had to bring it into today's terms. That's how I see it. Now listen, there should have been a celebration like no other celebration. There should have been parties and dancing and music. I mean, man, people should have been dancing their clothes off like David did. Because the King of Kings, our Creator is here in the flesh right in front of them. I mean, it should have been... (sighs) Wow! But none of that happened. Instead, what they did was take him to the edge of town and try to throw him off a cliff. Jeez! Good Lord. So the question again is, why didn't they see the Savior right in front of them? All the prophecies fulfilled. Him standing up and reading about himself. Mm -mm -mm. but here's the deal not only did they have the prophecies but they had their rituals that they had to do every year to remind them of his coming and remind them of what he has done for them every year for hundreds or maybe even thousands of years there was the feast of Passover and then which called uh, for the sacrifice of the pure lambs one lamb every year per family had to be sacrificed the sacrifice first took place right before the 10th plague in Egypt when all the firstborn were killed. It says in Exodus 12:12, 12, 12, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment." Remember, the Jews were still slaves and Pharaoh would not let them go. But that night, they took a pure spotless lamb, killed it, and put its blood on the side posts and on the lentils above their homes. Then when the angel of death came to kill the firstborn of the gods of Egypt, their homes would be passed over because of the blood. Their firstborn would live. This Levitical sacrificial system was God-ordained and was repeated yearly in remembrance of what God had done in sparing their firstborn because of that blood on those doors. Again, when Jesus showed up in person on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, I don't know if you sell that, but that is actually the first month of the Jewish calendar, That day in which the Passover lamb was selected, Jesus presented himself as the lamb of God and rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. We grew up with it. Jesus riding in and we had all the branches and we're saying, Hosanna in the highest. Yeah, you remember that as kids. That's right. He did that himself, and you can find that prophecy in Zechariah 9 chapter and verse 9. The spotless lambs were inspected for 4 days in the old covenant to determine they were pure and worthy of sacrifice. Well, guess what? Jesus was challenged and tested for 4 days by the Pharisees and the other rulers before his crucifixion. Isn't that crazy? And Pontius Pilate himself said, I find no wrong in this man. Wow, the similarities and things were amazing. So they should have seen Jesus as the Savior. But here's the thing, guys Jesus came in as a baby in a manger and lived a very humble life. And the Jews were looking for a man, a Messiah. An anointed one who would lead them and liberate them. That's what they were looking for. When Jesus began to preach, it was one of love for all and humble service. Come on, what kind of king wants to be humble and wants to serve? Every king wants to be served, right? Oh, not Jesus, no. They were looking for one who would conquer Not for a suffering servant who would die. It's weak. That's weakness. They were looking for the line of the tribe of Judah. Who would reign as king. Not the lamb of God. Who would take away the sins of the world. Weren't looking for that at all. They were looking for Messiah. Son of David. He was to be king from the tribe of Judah. The line of Judah. They missed Messiah. Son of Joseph. Wow, the suffering servant who would forgive the sins of his brethren and restore his relationship with them, like we just talked about. They were only looking for a coming king who would free them from Roman oppression, not a Passover lamb who would free them from the bondage of their sin. No wonder they didn't see him as the Savior. It's crazy. So now I want you to go to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew, the 16th chapter. And Jesus was obviously preaching and healing people all over Israel. And uh, he had made it up to the northern part of Israel. I put a map up here to a region called Caesarea Philippi. You can see it way up there on the north. You see Jerusalem way, way, way down there. So from Jerusalem to Caesarea Philippi, it would take somewhere like 49 hours to walk it. Okay, good thing there's no winter there. It would take five and a half hours by bus or two and a half hours by car. I tried to look and see how far it would take with a donkey. I couldn't find it. Or a camel, I, I, I looked everywhere, couldn't find it. But now you see there where the Sea of Galilee is, if some of you can see that close. uh, It's 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, Caesarea Philippi. So Jesus is up there in that region. And that was a very paganistic area. So a lot of people would go up there and they would sacrifice and pray and worship to false gods, pagan gods. And up in that area was a god named Pan. And this is what he looks like. Really ugly looking thing, I guess. Um, they worship this thing. He was a half god and half goat. And a lot of pictures show him with a flute in his hand, like you see right there. He was also called the god of fright. I guess you can see why. Why would you want to worship something like that? I don't know. But he was a cave god, and there was a cave at the base of Mount Hermon called the Grotto of Pan. The Grotto of Pan. And water flowed from it to the Jordan River. And it was the center of the pagan worship up there. And the people thought that the water led straight down to hell. And so what they would do is, is they would take their animals, and they would, they would take their live animals, and they would throw them into the pit. And they would pray and, and worship and sacrifice those animals for anything you can imagine. Uh, better crops, a good yield. Um, you know, fertility, children, whatever they wanted to, that's what they would do to this God in that grotto, in that hole right there, which is absolutely crazy. So there was also a temple area built, and there's a picture of this temple area built, and it was an open-air sanctuary, and it was built for Pan next to the source of water that exited into the Jordan River. This became a monster city with this deal. And what amazes me is How somebody can just sit down and come up with this false name of Pan and then build this ridiculous-looking statue, half-man, half-goat, with a flute and horns, call his name Fright, and expect people to actually worship this thing. Unbelievable. Man-made. It doesn't exist. It's not real. Everything's completely made up. And yet they built a city around it. And worshipped it and sacrificed to it.. Mm-mm-mm. Caesar Augustus gave that region to Herod the Great. He was the very bad king that Pastor Tim talked about the first time, who actually murdered his wife and at least three of his kids, because he felt threatened that they were going to take his kingdom. Well, he gave that, um, that, that piece of land to his son, and his name was Philip, okay? And, of course, he named the region after Caesar and himself, of course, Philip. Therefore, Caesarea Philippi was the name of that whole region. And I I say all this because I want you to see a picture of what Jesus was doing here. Caesar demanded to be worshipped. I mean, what other emperor doesn't demand to be worshipped? Alright? And Remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar? You know, he built this monster statue of himself and demanded people to worship him. And if not, they threw them in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I ain't doing it. Well, if you didn't call these emperors, kings, gods, or rulers, or worship them, then really bad things can happen to you. And in this situation, Philip the Tetrarch, son of King Herod, he was a very bad king, like father, like son. And he was actually the first Jewish king to even put his face on a quarter or a dime or whatever. That's his face right there. He was just that crazy to do that. But if you didn't call him Lord or God when he asked you who he was, bad things could happen to you. He would throw you in the lion's den, which we know that happened to Daniel. Um, You would get hot rods pressed against different parts of your body. Uh, You could get... um, Let's see, uh, stretched on a rack. Yes, you get stretched on a rack. That sounds fun. Let's see, you get your eyes gouged out. Uh, There was lots of other things that would happen to you, but I'm not going to mention them because this is about a story and Christmas and a little baby, so we won't go there. But you had to worship these guys. You had to tell them they were God, they were Lord when they asked you to. So Jesus, who isn't in Kansas anymore, Toto, he's way up there out of Jerusalem, where people don't know him, where he's not being worshipped and followed and praised for what he's doing. He's way up in this area, way out of his league, in this paganistic area, and he is actually talking to his disciples. I guess you could say he asked them a question. And in Matthew 16, 13, he said to his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? knowing where he was. They all knew what these gods and kings thought. In this environment, he asked this type of question. In other words, I think he was probably asking the children of Israel, so what's, uh, what's everybody saying on the dirt roads, bro? You know, he, he was probably in the pagan hood. I would say that if Pastor Rick was here today. Yeah, probably in the pagan hood, what's going on? What are they saying about me? Because, you know, everybody has an opinion about Jesus. Even today, they do. And what did the Bible say? It says that some of them <clears throat> said, oh, well, you might be John the Baptist. People say that you're uh, Elijah or others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. You know, those were, those were great. That sounds wonderful. Those are some big names, big top names. i would be proud to be called those kind of people. But here's the deal. Jesus really isn't interested in what the world thinks about him. He doesn't care what TikTok or social media is saying about him. He doesn't. Jesus isn't interested in what your teachers or your professors at school say or think about him. Even the perspective of your pastor. I don't feel Jesus really is concerned about that. No? As you sit here today looking at that little manger, he is asking you and I the same question that he asked thousands of years ago in verse 15. It went from impersonal to a very personal question. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the son of the living god jesus answered and said to him blessed are you simon barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven you see when you see the baby in a manger you also have to see this picture as well we took communion today all because of what he did right here you have the baby and you have this. You can't see one without the other. It's impossible to see one without the other. Philip the Tetrarch put his face on a coin. What did Jesus say? When you've seen me, you've seen my father. Philip the Tetrarch was trying to build a monster city that would be bigger than any other city that everybody in the nation would like to. It's undisputed. I've got it all. Jesus wasn't building a city. What was Jesus building? An eternal kingdom. That's what he's still building. And he wants you and I to be a part of that kingdom. That's what he came for. And the Jews, well, the Jews couldn't see what was right in front of them. In the flesh. It was all being played out in real time. And they either couldn't see it, Or they refused to see him as the Savior. It's one or the other. So my question to you today is this. When you see Jesus, who do you see? Do you see him as a threat? Like King Herod saw him as a threat? Want to take over his kingdom? Do you see him as a threat to your lifestyle? The way you live? and want to live? Do you see him maybe as a scary judge? A lot of people see that. Maybe just a historical figure. Do you see him as a fictional, made-up character? Or do you see him as a prophet? A teacher? A Jewish leader, perhaps? Or maybe, to you, he is just an idea and if he's just an idea, you can do anything you want, and it doesn't matter. Nobody can tell you what to do. So who is he to you as you're sitting here? There were 25,000 teenagers, and they were asked the same question. Who do you see Jesus as when you see him? 46% said a person offering hope to people. It's pretty good. of those teenagers said, ah, a caring person. Oh, that's that's nice. But here's the deal. Only 23% of those 25,000 teenagers saw him as the Savior and someone they could have a personal relationship with. That's very sad. And that's scary. That's our future generations being raised up in this world. They're missing it. Just like his own people missed it. Here's the deal. If you want to see Jesus, you have to follow. First, you have to be objective and follow the evidence. Listen, that evidence will take you to his birth. It'll take you through his life. It'll take you through Calvary, take you to his death and resurrection. It's all in there. Even historical figures that weren't saved, they weren't Christians, talk about Jesus all the time. The evidence is there. You just have to find it. Because believing in God must lead to a commitment to God, or it does you nothing. For the devils believe and they tremble, Knowing about Jesus is different than having an intimate relationship with Jesus as well. To know him, to know him is to love him. To know him is to obey him. Obey his commandments. To know him is to serve him. And let him lead you. Instead of you leading him. And only letting him in parts of your life. The parts that you only want. He sees everything. He knows everything about you. He created you. So why don't you let him in? You don't even know how many hairs you have on your own head, but he does. It's true. It's what the Bible says. It all starts with you believing that you are lost and have sinned and believing God came in human form to pay a debt that you and I could never, ever pay. That's where it all starts. He absorbed the debt that you and I owed By letting himself being nailed to that cross. Sinless man. Spotless lamb. Being slaughtered on that tree. So you and I could have an eternal life and a relationship with him while we're still on this earth. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born. Us. That's you and me. Unto us a child is given. That's to you and me. Nobody else. He came for us. He came for you. Friday, Nicole and I had lunch at uh, Cracker, not Cracker Barrel, but Texas Roadhouse. They're only open for lunch on Fridays, so I went there. Took my wife on a little date, cheat date, and uh, we were shopping. And we got ready to pay for our meal, and the lady said, oh, it's been taken care of. And I said, What? Yeah, it's been taken care of. Somebody paid for your meal. What? No way. You're kidding. Man, when that stuff happens, you feel good on the inside. I mean, you know that. You guys, that's happened to a lot of you. Hopefully everybody at one point in time. Man, it feels good. You feel all gooey on the inside. You know, it's like you want to go, you look around the restaurant. Where where, where are they? I want to go give a hug. They thank you. You didn't have to do that. It was so kind of you. That's all we want to do. I mean, as good as that feels, how good does it feel knowing Jesus came to earth and paid a debt that you and I could never pay, ever, no matter what we did or try to do? Wow. That's, that's a real gift. Salvation is the best gift you will ever get your entire life. I don't care if you get a Maserati. It's going to get old. When you have to pay the $2,000 for the oil change, you're going to want to sell it. But this gift never gets old. Huh. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. You must see him as the Savior. Nicole, come here. Come up here with me, please. Honey. (laughs) You look so good today. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm asking you today. We are asking you today. How many of you would reach out? Just reach out and accept that free gift. That's amazing. That will change your life forever this morning. If you've never, ever received Jesus as your Savior, now's the time. But everybody stand up. Just stand up. Stand up with me today. The Lord told me that there's somebody in here today. If you look at your hands, they're sweating already and you're nervous. When I was writing this and praying, the Lord said there's somebody out there. told me this two days ago. Their hands are sweating. They're nervous. That's you. He wants you to accept that free gift today. Nicole and I are down here because we just want to be with you and we want to give you a big hug and help you accept that gift. So if that's you and your hands are sweating, just rub them on your pants or skirt or dress and come down here right now. We want to pray with you and we want you to be a part of this amazing family. And anybody else, anybody else that's out there that want that free gift you already know you feel it if that's you come on down if you need to come down with somebody come on down I'm not taking forever if you want to you want to if you don't that's okay we're going on anybody at all and while I'm still talking if that was you Get your sweaty palms down here. Listen, that's God telling you something. He's calling you. He knows. Come on, brother. Amen. Is your palm sweaty? Oh, whoa. Yes, they are. They're absolutely sweaty. Was there anybody else? Anybody else at all? Here's the deal, guys. If you're not ready, it's okay. It's okay. You don't really come to church. It's okay. But here's what I want you not to do. I want you not to not come back until next year. Right. I mean, Christmas of next year. <laughs> come back next year. It's a week away. But if you're not ready to receive Jesus, you're not sure, it's okay. Start coming to church every week. Start coming on Wednesdays. Start coming on Sundays. Find God. Listen, when you find God, you will find freedom. Freedom. You will find freedom. It's only in God. And then when you find freedom, you will discover your purpose. You will find out what God wants for you and your life. And when you discover that, you'll be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. You'll be able to pay for somebody else's meal and man, will it feel good. But in a spiritual way. So when you leave here today, don't just say, well, man, I just ain't ready. Start coming. We have small groups in February, starting up in February again. Great groups to talk about anything you want to talk about. Start making a commitment just to come back to the house of God. All right, anybody else? Okay. This month, I had to bury a two-month-old little girl. I had to bury a 69-year-old man. Had a massive heart attack, and he was dead before he hit the ground. You may not have tomorrow. It's not promised to tomorrow. Those are two horrible funerals that we had to go to this week or this month and do. So this is it. Anybody else? OK. All right, bro? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We love you. We love you, man. Hmm. Are you ready to pray? Everybody just pray this. Father in Jesus' name come before you today come before you today. as a sinner as a sinner to headed straight for hell headed straight for hell but Lord I, thank you Lord I thank you that you sent your son that you sent your son the greatest gift of all the greatest gift of all to die for me to die for me on the cross on the cross to take a debt, to take a debt. I could never pay I could never take. Thank, you, Jesus. thank you Jesus for forgiving me For forgiving of my sins sins. in Jesus name. name. Now help me me. and guide me. me. I thank you that I am yours. I I Give you praise today for it. it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Love you, buddy. All right. Tonight, I know most of you probably won't be here. That's okay. You chose the morning service tonight. It's 6 p.m. Of course, we have our candlelight service. It'll pretty much be the same service, but we'll have lots of uh, food, I guess. Right? Desserts and snacks and cookies and whatever. And our candlelight service at six. So, if you're not going to be here, that's okay. We want to wish you, Nicole. Why'd you go? Come back over here. Jeez. It's new. Uh, yeah, I know. Pastor Nicole and I, and Pastor Phyllis. We just we want to wish you guys a very merry Christmas. That's right. Um, And then we're going to just pray and bless you guys here as you leave today. Father, we come before you and God, I just bless this congregation. I bless these people. I pronounce blessing, Father, over their homes, God, over their families, their extended families that are even here today as well. And God, I just thank you so much that, Lord God, everywhere they put their feet, God, they will prosper. Everything they put their hands to will prosper. Everywhere they go, everybody that sees them, they will see the light, your light, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you that their their families are saved, they're healed, they're set free, they're delivered. I thank you for favor everywhere they go. Every foot that they take a step in, favor will follow them. You will follow them. In Jesus' name. God, thank you for safe trips to their families. Wherever they're going for this holiday, I thank you that you'll be with them. Angels, go before them. Thank you for the blood. We plead the blood over their lives and over their families' lives as well. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6, maybe not.